What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, and welcome to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, something in you, it jitters like a moth. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Volkelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. So... We've talked about robots plenty of times on this podcast. Sure, we more have. than plenty of times, probably. Right, we've talked about them too many times. Yeah, is yeah. what you're getting at. Uh, yes, yes, I'm saying that we should never do another episode about robots ever again. But you know, there's something else we've talked about a few times that, uh, or at least you two have talked about a few times. <laughs> I've only talked about the one time, which is bugs. Well, and to be fair, I wasn't really talking about bugs that last time either. It was spiders. Well, the future of insects is clearly the most important type of future to talk about. But but I thought that maybe, you know, Joe, I know Joe hates robots because when I when I bring up the subject of robots near Joe, he gets this red look in his eye and he says program to destroy. I don't know what that's all about. But anyway, <laughs> I know he loves bugs. And I thought maybe we could ease you back into the robot discussion, Joe. By talking about a combination of bug and robot. I think that's a great idea, and I've even got a sort of practical way to introduce the discussion. Okay. Okay. 
So making robots is hard, right? Making a good mobile robot to go around and do different kinds of things, it, it's not easy. Sure. Mechanics alone are incredibly complex. Mm-hmm. And designing a, a a machine that can do the sort of stuff that we do is not a trivial task. Okay. Now, let's make the problem even harder. Okay. Let's <laughs> make that robot really small. Okay. Oh. So now, now you've massively compounded the problem. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because any, anything that, that's bulky or heavy is going to be a lot you know, more impossible to include. Yeah, like yeah. right. Power, power sources, exactly. Right. Batteries and, and and or solar panels, uh-huh. all kinds of things like that. Cameras. Oh yeah. You any know? kind of mechanism that that creates movement, any sort of engine. Yeah. Even just the computer equipment. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, that has yeah. weight, takes up space. Okay, now let's make it even harder. Oh. Okay. Let's make it smart. Let's say that it needs to make some kind of decisions based on its environment. So it's going to need sensors of some mm-hmm. kind to mm-hmm. gather data about where it is. And it's going to need a, a pretty robust computing system to be able to make decisions based on that data. So you're just now you're making an impossible task here. Right? Wait, I'm going to make it even more impossible. What? <laughs> OK, let's say it's got to be. Why do you hate us? <laughs> it's got to be small and smart and it's got to carry its own energy source for a decent amount of time. You know, not something that's going to run out of juice in 90 seconds. Okay, so now you're talking about something that you can't just power externally. Like, uh, you know, we, we've talked about nanobots a little bit in the past. One mm-hmm. of the, the common uh, uh, solutions I see to nanobots, because this is a problem when you get down to that size, how do you power something like that, is the idea of using an external source like electromagnetism or mm-hmm. ultrasonic frequencies. Mm-hmm. But you are saying that Some this one... Some of these one, even actually just have wires on them and they try not to show them in the pictures. Right, exactly. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, they really do. So you, you are actually saying that this would need to be a robot that would carry with it its own ability to to you know power itself right whether that be say solar panels or a battery or whatever it is that's going to take up space and make this all really difficult but you know what we've already touched on it now that there's something in existence that fits pretty much all of these criteria reasonably well and that's an insect yeah it's small it's smart i mean it's not that smart but it's it's relatively for its size right. pretty it's smart in the robot sense. Right, yeah. 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 Compared to, say, a wind-up toy that only will go in one direction until it knocks into something, it's smart. Yeah, and it carries its own energy. You just you don't even have to plug it in. You just feed it some apple slices or <laughs> some uh, some delicious you know bodily fluids, whatever it likes to chow down <laughs> on. Different insects have different tastes. That's fair. And this is not an idea original to us. In fact, the people way up there hidden in their scary science bunkers are going exactly down this path, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's the idea of marrying insects with robots, not literally. I mean, you're actually just you're incorporating robotic elements into a an insect. You're not actually having an like insect a, get married like to a, a robot. Cyborg, a yes. Yeah. Cyborg. A cyborg. A, a Very bug good. Borg. A bug borg. Insect yeah. borg. So we're, we're, we're letting it get away from us. <laughs> Just like a bug would. No, uh, this is, this is entirely true. There have been many, many projects to look into. How can we take advantage of the fact that the earth is covered with lots and lots of insects? And if we could only bend them to our will, 
then we would have an incredible tool for things like search and rescue. Mm -hmm. And that was part of what uh, inspired the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Why do we say that every time? It's just DARPA. Well, because people want to know what DARPA stands for. No, they don't. It's DARPA. (laughs) When I I hear DARPA, I think, is that an acronym? Um, it's, It's responsible for a lot of the technologies that have filtered down from the military into our daily lives. Stuff that, you know, was originally part of the DARPA project. Like, like the internet is a great example. The internet was originally a DARPA project. That's where ARPANET came from. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's also responsible for some kind of scary science fiction-y horror movie type of science, including turning bugs into cyborgs. So they their program is specifically called the Hybrid Insect Microelectromechanical Systems or HIMEMS because I guess that's slightly better than it, no, 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 surgery not, on cockroaches. You're not inflecting it right. It's HIMEMS. No, okay, HIMEMS. Uh, so the goal is to create cybernetic inse- insects. And here's a quote from the DARPA solicitation document. This was written back in 2006 when the project was started. DARPA seeks innovative proposals to develop technology to create insect cyborgs, possibly enabled by intimately integrating microsystems within insects during their early stages of metamorphoses. The healing so process- getting them when they're young. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It continues. The healing processes from one metaphor- metamorphic stage to the next stage are expected to yield more reliable bioelectromechanical interface to interface to insects as compared to adhesively bonded systems to adult insects. Once these platforms are integrated, Various microsystems payloads can be mounted on the platforms with the goal of controlling insect locomotion, sense local environment, and scavenge power. So what all this is saying basically is that if you, if you put these little bits into these insects when they're still growing, it yeah. will allow us to integrate the technology more fully into them as adults than it will be to just like be like I, I pasted a computer on yeah exactly uh, yeah though there's plenty of room for pasting computers on as we will see later in this very podcast oh absolutely right. <laughs> yeah especially if you happen to watch that 15 minute video we, we'll get, <laughs> we'll into, we'll that get into that later that, yeah, so, so uh, w- w- but what is the actual goal what do they want these insect robot hybrids to do all oh, right what was the challenge all right here here's the, the also from that solicitation <laughs> the final demonstration goal of the high mems program is the delivery of an insect within five meters of a specific target located a hundred meters away using electronic remote control and or global positioning system, GPS. Although flying insects are of great interests, e.g. moths and dragonflies, hopping and swimming insects could also meet final demonstration goals. Why not crawling, though? Well, I'm sure that, that was also in there. It just wasn't specifically mentioned. In conjunction with delivery, the insect must remain stationary either indefinitely or until otherwise instructed. The insect cyborg must also be able to transmit data from DOD-relevant sensors, yielding information about the local environment. These sensors can include gas sensors, microphones, video, etc., you can kind of get the sense based on the language in the DARPA directive that they're thinking about surveillance. Yes. Uh, I think that seems to be the, the main thing in their minds is we want to get 
bugs that can go out and look at what's going on over there a hundred meters away and and see what it is. Yeah. 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 See what's up. Now, that surveillance may be something, you know, clandestine, like spying Mm -hmm. or more likely something like search and rescue or, uh, you know, you're you're getting some reconnaissance in an area that would be dangerous to send human beings into. Or that you're not sure whether it's dangerous to send human beings into. Rather than sending out red shirts, we can send out bugs. Well, especially for something like like an area, consider an area that's got radioactive contamination, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, bugs are much more hardy at resisting that than we humans are. So using a, a bug in order to check that kind of area out makes perfect sense. This makes a lot more sense than what I was thinking they would use them for, which is delivering ammunition. Uh, like when <laughs> like you a single run out bullet. Of, yeah, when you run out of bullets <laughs> on the field, a swarm of beetles come at you with cartridges. Each one has one. They drop it into your magazine. Yeah, no, that that's probably further down the road. That's that's a little it's a little ambitious for this first uh, project. Actually, it's pretty ambitious anyway. Yeah. A lot of the stuff we've talked about uh, or that we've looked into as uh, uh, part of the the research for this podcast, um, we're still in the relatively early stages of this kind of technology. And meanwhile, you've got other people working on. Different approaches, but I'll talk about that toward the end of the podcast. It's uh, just interesting to me that now we're starting to see the fruition of some of this work. Um, and as of the recording of this podcast in early November 2014, there have been a couple of stories that have come out about stuff like this, which is kind of interesting. I mean, it's eight years after the initial solicitation. Well, I think we should talk about a few examples of the research in blending the insect with the robotic. Obviously, we can't talk about all the research today. There's too much. But I think we should pick a few of the cool ones and zero in on those. The first one I would like to talk about is beetles. Uh, so in this case, we're talking about the, the Big, insect, not, bad the, not the band. Beetle Borg. Okay. <laughs> That is a very you specific were, cultural reference, Joe. You are extremely uh, fixated upon this cultural reference I as well. may have watched the YouTube video with the main credit sequence of that show several times <laughs> yesterday and today. Um, I, I wanted to arrange some harmonies where we'd each sing a part, you know, big, bad, beetle, borgs. But... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that didn't come together. I, it just didn't happen. It was, so, a, anyway. it was a cultural reference that was lost on me, to be perfectly honest. Okay, okay. Let's talk about using beetles as these hybrid micro-electro-mechanical systems. Okay. The example would be flower beetles, the ones I want to look at. That's flower with a W, not with an O-U. Okay. All right. So w- this example is a project that was part of the High MIMS Directive. Uh, and it was a group of researchers from UC Berkeley who created a system to steer the flight path of cyborg flower beetles like Mechanorina torcata. I hope I said that right. Mechanorina torcata. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds that some, good. Yeah, sounds yeah. good to me. And, uh, uh, Cotinus texana. And so flower beetles are a group of scarab beetles, and they're thought to make good candidates for flying cyborgs because of their size and sort of the robustness, like they're thick and yeah. powerful. A.K.A. they're basically terrifying. Yeah. Um, so so they can also carry a lot of weight. Exactly right. So they can you can put a bunch of equipment on them and they'll still be able to fly. Uh, Google these things if you want. They are not spindly, especially M. torcata, the bigger one. They're pretty thick. Pretty terrifying. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so the researchers at Berkeley built an electronic system consisting of, quote, neural stimulators, muscular stimulators, a radio transceiver equipped microcontroller and a micro battery. So that's the the first two things there would be 
the means of stimulating the parts of the beetle to get it to do what you want. Mm-hmm. Then you've also got the transceiver that's uh, to get the commands from the Beetle Command Center. And then you've got the <laughs> micro battery, which is to power the whole thing. Okay. So that's kind of a lot of equipment to put on one insect. But did it work? Um, yeah, it did. The beetles could fly. So they, they put the system together and they mounted it on the beetle's pronotum, which if you picture like a dog or a cat, that would sort of be the back of the neck, top of the head area. Mm-hmm. It's sort of a, They have a neck? <laughs> it's a, you, oh, you're talking about beetles. Oh, yeah. It's Not same, really. It's just sort of like the. It's that the, same area though. It's sort of like, like the human equivalent of the nape gotcha. of the neck, I suppose. Right. Yeah. right not, the, not the front of the face, but right back up there. Uh, right, right, the right. Front. Um, okay, so they, they mount that right back up there, and then they used remote radio signals to stimulate parts of the beetle bodies for various aspects of flight control, including the ability to, quote, control flight initiation and cessation, modulate flight throttle and direction with a relatively simple interface. Um, and those quotes are from their paper in Frontiers in Integrative Neuroscience in 2009 called Remote Radio Control of Insect Flight. So there are YouTube videos of yeah. this. I recommend looking it up and watching them because it's pretty cool. They had reasonably good success with using radio to control beetle flight patterns. That was by flight patterns. Do you mean like basically telling them to go left or right or yeah. how, how fine tuned, finely tuned were the, uh, the, the flights? I haven't watched well, these I videos. Well, I, I couldn't speak from experience. I yeah. mean, it, it's hard to tell how exactly what they're doing compared sure. to what the Beatles doing, but it is divided into like left and right signals. Right. Uh, and I think also making the beetle fly or getting it to stop. Yeah. We've seen a lot of videos actually that do the left or right is a, that's the essential command, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have a, a go forward or stop in a lot of these. It's more that, you know, till they let the bug run and then they determine which direction the bug will run in. Right. And for the flight, it really does seem directional. Like I haven't seen any, you know, like let's control pitch and yaw sure. and, and all those flight things that pilots know about. And, and one thing we should point out is that a lot of this work isn't just to figure out how to control insects, but also to learn more about how insects fly and how mm-hmm. they control their flight. And that uh, there's a, a biological element to this. It's not just uh, computer science or robotics or anything like that as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, you have to have a really good understanding of how the system works. And luckily, insects are relatively simple. But, you know, flight really does put an extra kind of wrinkle into this entire endeavor, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is why insects like roaches have been the focus of a lot of study. Also, yeah. <laughs> it's really easy to get a hold of them. There's a few running around, <laughs> true, yeah. probably at any given time. Yeah, well, let's, let's first give that a good hard think, yeah. and then <laughs> yeah. Now that now that we're uh, now that we're skeeved out, it's time to really turn up the creep factor for the rest of this conversation. Let's talk about robo roaches. Okay, well, I want to talk eventually about roach borgs for search and rescue, or yeah. what I call search and roach skew. Yeah, I see oh. that. I saw that in the notes. I wasn't gonna. I see what you did there. Yeah, but before I get to that, because that's a fairly recent development, yeah. uh, I want to talk about RoboRoach, the insect cybernetics that comes straight into your home. Yeah. Do you all know about this? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's that whole Kickstarter, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, before I think they existed before that, but the Kickstarter okay. was, uh, was a, a big source of controversy, but they made their funding. We, we should go back and tell the story. So there's a yeah. little education tech company called Backyard Brains with the tagline, 
Neuroscience for everyone. Yay! Yeah, they're, 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 Yay, brain implants. They say... Yay! <laughs> their point being that not everybody has access to a university with like a, an incredibly uh, robust neuroscience laboratory. That's a good point. And that, you know, people who want to learn things might want to be able to do some experimentation and, uh, and, and kind of get, you know, more involved in the field even if they don't have that direct access. And so that's, that's kind of the goal. Now, a lot of their, that goal gets played out in, uh, m- doing some home surgery on bugs. <laughs> right. So this project that they initiated is called RoboRoach. Yeah. And it's a cybernetic modification kit for cockroaches, which allows users to perform surgery on a cockroach and implant electrodes into the cockroach's antennae that use electrical pulses to stimulate the neurons in those antennae. Mm-hmm. Now, why would you want to stimulate the neurons of the antennae in a cockroach? Because that's how they that's how they steer. That's exactly right. You can control cockroach movement if you can control the nerve cells in the in each antenna. Uh, right. It's not it's not precisely how they steer, but rather how they you know they they take in information from their antenna and use that to decide when to turn because you know they'll they'll be brushing up against something and go like oh uh, I, I'm I'm hitting a wall on my right so I should veer a little bit more to the left so or if, vice versa. If you were to install say an electrode that would stimulate such a response to say there's a wall here even if there isn't a wall there you can make the cockroach turn uh right it's like electric rains yeah and it's disturbing to watch right so in the robo roach kit these electrical impulses come from a 4.4 gram electronic backpack unit they call it a backpack and this backpack can be controlled through bluetooth by an app on your smartphone Simply swipe your finger across the cockroach illustration in the desired direction, and the cockroach will turn. It'll send a little electrical charge to the right antenna or the left antenna, and it'll it'll make it say, "Hey, no, go the other way." Right. Uh, though not permanently, right? No. The creators claim that this usually only works for some number of minutes at a time. After which the cockroach sort of gets used to the false signals and ignores them. And then you have to give it a rest and, and just not mess with it for a while before the roach is ready to be mind controlled all over again. Now, did you watch the 15 minute instructional video of how to do this? No. Uh, no, I watched some videos. I don't think I watched one that was 15 minutes. Long. I did. I'm going to give you a rundown on how this works. <laughs> oh, okay. So oh, I did watch some on how the surgery works. Yeah, it, it, you probably saw some of this then. Okay. So you start off by uh, you have to uh, sedate the cockroach by putting it into cold water, which lowers its temperature, and it's a cold-blooded animal. So once its temperature is at a certain level, it, it you know its activity essentially stops. It's still alive. It's just you know it's. It's not wiggling around and it's hypothetically not feeling anything. Yeah, it's hypothetically not feeling anything anyway, but (laughs) but specifically not feeling, at least not pain as we would understand it. Um, at any rate, then you take, uh, some, some, uh, sandpaper and you, uh, rub the top of the, 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 back of its head so that you can make it a little bit rough. You create like an abrasive surface so that you can, uh, apply glue. Yep, super glue. Uh, it's super glue. They have a specific uh-huh. brand they recommend. Okay. Uh, you then attach the little circuit board, the, the backpack onto the super glue. Uh, then you have to do some, some crazy, uh, 
alterations of the cockroach. One of that is you have to poke a hole in its uh, uh, outer uh, shell, I guess you could carapace, say. Yeah, yeah, the carapace off to the little bit off to one side so you don't hit its esophagus because obviously you don't want to do that. Uh, and then you put the ground antenna about a millimeter in there, put some super glue onto the end of that and then shove it in a little further so that way it holds itself tight. Then uh, after you you know, knock out the cockroach a couple more times because it's going to wake up eventually. Uh, you then have to clip off the end of an antenna about down to a, about a quarter to an eighth of an inch. Insert the uh, electrode, like the left electrode, into the left antenna and use some super glue so it holds inside there. Same with the right antenna. And then you have to kind of group all that together so you get the wires out of the way and you tamp that down and then you glue that down as well so that way it doesn't get out there and snag on stuff as the roach, roach is running around. around. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, uh, I just gave you a very short description of what goes on in this 15 minute long video that I watched immediately after I had just eaten lunch. <laughs> and I thought, well, that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and 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 then they demonstrate the uh, app working, and they have a little roach running around on the ground, and then make it turn left and right, and it, it turns very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works. It looks like it must have felt like it was crashing into something. It's like yeah. ah no over here, which is kind of. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to read the feelings of a cockroach, but uh, a lot of people were very upset by this. Oh, especially when they launched that Kickstarter campaign that I mentioned at the mm-hmm. top of this section. Yeah, the Kickstarter campaign. It met its goal. It was at ten thousand, and it got funded up to twelve thousand bucks, I think. But there was a lot of outcry. I personally don't know what to think about it because on one hand I agree just intuitively it seems kind of cruel and like and a mad scientist creepy kind of and thing. weird yeah. yeah they had a lot of defenses I guess I can get into a minute uh, on the other hand though from my feelings if I see a cockroach in my house I'm going to kill it I'm yeah. going to do everything I can to destroy this creature yeah mm-hmm. it's it's not the kind of critter that when you see it in your house you think oh I can cohabitate with this and so I wonder if the same is true of all these other people like if most people making the charge like this is cruel cockroaches are for stomping on <laughs> yeah and their lives quickly don't prolong their suffering Right. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, not I'm not sure. I mean e- either way like I right. I I can see both sides of that. Yeah. So they still sell the kit on their website. Uh, the people behind the project have answered some of the charges by claiming that well, I mean for one thing they say this is for education. It's not just for giggles. It's for a good purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They also claim that the users are instructed to perform the surgery under anesthesia. So, well, Wait, I mean, the cockroach, the, not the surgeon. Oh, I was about to ask. Like, that's that seems like a wrong kind of doctor to yeah. go yeah, to. Yeah, I've I've seen I've seen Little Shop of Horrors, and yeah. that didn't go well for most yeah. people. They have also uh, <laughs> they've also claimed that the electrical stimulation doesn't translate as pain for the cockroach. Right. Uh, it's just like a sensation, like you're supposed to go that way. It's just terrifying panic. Uh, maybe I don't. <laughs> I don't. They, they didn't. They What's didn't say it like that. No. To be a I, cockroach. I you would really have to ask. What do you know, Jonathan? Kafka. Kafka yeah, or, I was going right. to say the same thing. Yeah, um, I haven't had that metamorphosis. So <laughs> uh, they they also say the procedure is not supposed to kill the cockroach. And at the end of the experiment, they recommend clipping the electrodes off, returning the roach to a breeder colony, so can it you know it can return to being its roachy little self and 
not just do what the man says for the rest of its life. Our friend Christian Sager actually interviewed one of the people behind this thing, a, a one Greg Gage, I believe. And uh, you can see a video of that interview if you Google stuff of genius backyard brains. I think that's the easiest way to get to it, probably, rather than me reading out a long URL for you sure, to type into sure. a computer. Um, so, so yeah, if, if you're interested in seeing more of of their perspective on why and how they they created these kits, then definitely go check that out. Did you guys also happen to see the Spiker Box kit that they sell? I saw that, but I didn't read about it. But wait, there's more? Yeah, so Spiker Box, (laughs) this this is a little different. It's a little bit of a tangent, but just a little bit. Um, It's another way of studying uh, neurological activity. This is a way of studying the neurological activity of an invertebrate. Uh, they specifically use a roach as the example. And in this case, they, they anesthetize the roach, same sort of thing. They put it in the ice water, and then they just gently cut off one of its legs. Okay. Which they then say, will grow back. The mm-hmm. leg will grow back, so it's you know it's one of those. You're not things, crippling it for no, its roachy life. It doesn't. It doesn't need to get a very specific pair of crutches, so it can make <laughs> its way through its roachy <laughs> existence. But then what they did was they used the leg and attached the electrodes that they had to the leg, which surprised me that it was to the leg, not to the cockroach. Not to the roach, right? Okay. And that uh, the leg they, has neurons in it that are still active even after being taken off of the rest of the insect. And that you can even hear, like it, it translates that into noise that you can listen to. You can uh, touch the leg and the noise increases. Huh. There, like the leg has uh, detected the touch. And that you could even get an app that connects to this kit that translates it into like a waveform. So you can see the waveform increase huh. as stimulus uh, affects this leg. And I just thought, well, that's... Creepy too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is sounding. This is reminding me of our Frankenstein episode, actually. Yeah. Um, but uh, all of this, they they do stress, is in the interest of promoting science, especially in children. Um, you know, people who, again, right, don't don't have access to to giant university labs and who right. might not otherwise become interested in this kind of thing without chopping the legs off of cockroaches at a young age. Right. Uh, now, Joe, you were talking earlier about this search and roach skew idea. <laughs> I'm curious and would like to hear more. Allow me to paint you a little picture. Please do. <laughs> uh, wait, no. Well, I should first say what the research is. So the researchers uh, are from North Carolina State University. A.K.A. Mad Science U, I as it shall forever <laughs> be known now. They're led by a Dr. Alper Boskurt, or at least he's the one I've seen associated with right. all these studies. Yeah, he's an associate professor there. Um, uh, and they've been working on the creation of cyborg cockroaches that can do things like be guided to stay within a digitally created fence or a fenceless boundary, I think they called it. Mm-hmm. So uh, if they sort of like crawl around in a little area and then they reach the outer boundary, it's kind of like the invisible fence for your dog. It'll turn sure. them back. Uh, or they can track and recognize sounds based on high-definition microphones mounted on their little cockroach bodies. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the invisible fence one is done using a uh, Microsoft Connect. Mm-hmm. The Connect mm-hmm. itself tracks where the bugs are, and there's a there's a a border that the Connect can see, and that's considered to be the 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 one that the bugs can't cross. Yeah. And if the bug gets toward there, then the connect automatically sends a signal either to turn left or to turn right, whichever way is most attuned to the bug's orientation at that point, and the bug turns and goes back into the middle of the circle. Exactly right. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 
It's also uh-huh. it's also super super creepy to watch on video. <laughs> so the creators call them biobots, but I'm just so partial to Roachborg that I'm going to keep calling them Roachborg. Like, you know, we are the Roachborg. Lower your shields. Yeah. You we, will be scuttled upon. We should say that <laughs> resistance they, is futile. They, they have not, so far as I know, uh, been able to link them together into a network. But when they do, it's game over, folks. Right. Uh, so, But this Roachborg system isn't just for fun and education. The creators imagine it could save lives in a disaster area such as like a collapsed building. So imagine your nearest shopping mall has collapsed after an earthquake or something. Okay, all right. And there are people trapped under the rubble, and we need to find them and get them out as soon as possible. Sure. Well, so here's where your Roachborg come in. At the disaster site, you you bring in your Roachborg cube, and you open it up and have them (laughs) stream out of it. Uh Uh, Mm Uh-huh. And this fleet of cockroaches are all wearing little cyborg backpacks. And they crawl throughout the collapsed structure, seeking out the sound of trapped humans. The high-definition microphone capabilities allow their controllers or even the cockroaches themselves to distinguish between the sound of someone crying for help and the sound of a piece of concrete falling or any other kind of sound. And if they start to crawl away from where the action is, the invisible fence can turn them around and point them back where they need to be. Uh, I've also heard that they could help a rescue team map the environment, uh, like identifying where the wreckage has fallen and what areas might be impassable. And, you know, like, sure, it would take a whole swarm of of these roach borgs in order to to do this, Uh, following walls the way that you would if you're, like, trying to run a maze, you know? Yeah. Um, And... The way that would work is is that they would record each little antenna bump um, that they experience through basically the same technology that that controls those robo roaches, just mm-hmm. turned around on itself so that it's it's sending the signals back rather than accepting signals. Yeah. So instead of controlling the roaches, it's it's learning from the roaches where the barriers are. Oh, right. Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you know, it, it can make it a lot safer for human rescuers um, who who eventually would go in. It would take time, but uh, all in the name of uh, safety for everyone. Sure. If you get a chance, here's another thing to look for on YouTube. <laughs> the videos of the roach experiments conducted at North Carolina State in... in Mad Science U. It's, yeah, you should check this out. Just just Google it. Um, they've got roaches going through mazes, roaches being steered around, roaches inside the invisible fence. Roaches responding to sound so that that makes yeah. them turn mm-hmm. the the correct way. But yeah, you know, if you also attach to them sensors that can detect like chemicals or radiation or something like that, then you get into that territory of of making these a, a really integral part of a rescue team for something sure. like a like a nuclear reactor yeah. accident. Absolutely, yeah. You could imagine this being used in like the Fukushima disaster and being able to tell very quickly uh, if if the one, if there were people that needed a rescue, and two, how dangerous is the environment that you have to go into and thus make the proper preparations in order to, to get them out. Yeah. Right. So if you have this equipment, though, I'm wondering if you have this equipment like a high-definition microphone or something like that, and you need them to search a large area, how do you, how do you provide continuous power for that long? Uh, well, you need some kind of onboard power source. And to help solve this problem, researchers at Case Western Reserve University have been working on a biofuel cell that taps into roaches' natural digestive systems to what? create a battery. Yeah, um, they, they use a couple enzymes to break down sugars that the roaches produce during their own digestion, which then release electrons and power 
a little battery. That's really um, cool. The the last time I heard anything about it was 2012, at which point the, the battery was not powerful enough to be useful in the field without having some kind of rechargeable battery attached to the backpack kit, which mm. would kind of nullify the purpose of right. having a biocell in the first place. Um, right. but it's, <laughs> well, it works, but the cockroach can't move anyway. It's just kind of yeah. tethered to this <laughs> enormous battery. Uh, but, you know, but it's a pretty cool concept. And, and I think that they're trying to tweak it in order to uh, get it get it to be more useful. Right. Yeah. I think the NC State idea was using solar panels, wasn't it? Well, I, you know, that's a good question. I'm not sure if they do use the solar panels or not. I know that the the uh, Robo Roach was using a just a tiny like cadmium battery. Yeah. But I don't know about the NC State stuff. I'm sure, that or doesn't Mad last Science all that stuff. long. But. Yeah. Well, going back to Mad Science U and Doctor Boskert, <laughs> uh, Mothbots like they're not just they're not just uh, playing with cockroaches over there. They're playing with other invertebrates as well. Tell me. Hit me. So they have proposed a method for implanting electrodes in a moth during the pupil stage while it's in the cocoon. Oh, okay. uh, so like DARPA was talking about yeah. With, yeah. with getting him getting him early. Yeah, the idea of getting the, <laughs> the sensors get embedded into the insect very early. That gives the the tissue the chance to, to heal around it. These are scientific cocoon robbers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just if you're going to make an army of robotic moths, you got to get them when they're young, you know, before they've really formed their ideology. It's really important. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's it's really it's so that you get it when the insect is still the caterpillar before it undergoes metamorphosis. Uh, and it allows for remote control of the muscles that control flight in moths. But the end goal of that particular approach would be to create a literal swarm network of biobots, similar to what we were talking about earlier with sending a swarm in to a disaster area to kind of map it out. Mm. Same sort of idea. But this way you would have an aerially based network of sensors to explore areas that might not be safe for humans, which is kind of cool. So like a cloud of sensors that is mobile. Yeah, we've talked about using swarm robotics uh, in the past before, say, for example, in exploring other planets or mm-hmm. exploring exploring asteroids and stuff like that. It, it has a lot of advantages. One of them is redundancy. Another one is that you can use algorithms to sort of average out their the different things they experience the data, to create right. the full, full picture. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the information that they're looking at right now is not necessarily to have – like it's not like the next step is going to be to have this swarm network. It's more like uh, we're learning about the flight mechanics of moths right now so that we can mm-hmm. make sure that if you want a moth to turn left, you send the proper signals for the moth to turn left. Because unless until you know how that works, you can't just say, all right, we'll just power the left wing. <laughs> that's not going to that's not going to help. It's not so, going to get you very far. No. Yeah. So the neat thing is that they're actually learning about the biology and the physiology of of moths in flight. Uh, and they're trying to use that as a way to get to this end goal. And it also means that other scientists who may not be looking at the biological element of this, maybe they want to create purely mechanical robots can still look at the study and learn from it. Yeah, sure, sure. Because there is that question of, of you know, like maybe if we're in the end entirely skeeved out by by putting bugs to our own uses. Yeah, then that we could do the synthetic ones mm-hmm. or, or even even if it's not a question being skeeved out, it might just be a question of uh, which which pathway ultimately is going to get us to where we need to be the fastest sure. and most efficient mm-hmm. uh, way possible. Right. And the thing is, right now, insects have a huge head start. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but yeah. they already have hardware and software that's that's very lightweight and strong and useful. Right, right. So bending them to our will is certainly one of those things that might be a lot easier than having to reinvent the insect. Yeah, yeah. You know? And we've talked about this a tiny bit before um, in our episode about bees, the future of bees. Robo bees. Robo bees. Right, right. That was published in May of 2014. If you <laughs> if you want to go back and listen to it. Yeah, I think we also is that the one where we talked about the Delphi Micro, the tiny little. Uh, it's extremely small drone. The battery lasts a few minutes. I, you know, we talk a lot about insects on this show <laughs> when Jonathan yeah. isn't around. Yeah. So I feel so special to be here today. <laughs> no, no, no. That that one was a was n- not insect at all. That was full drone. Oh, the 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 purely the mechanical. Delphi oh, right. Well, there, right. there were actually it quite might have a been few in a drone episode, but okay. yeah, there are actually quite. If a anyone few remi- I... remembers our episodes better than we do, then let us know, guys. Send uh, us a message. But no, there there <laughs> there definitely are big big issues there. Like the idea of of having to power the flight uh, definitely has its own engineering problem. Whereas if you're using a flying insect, since we already talked about it, has that onboard yeah, power system done. already. Yeah, yeah, you've already taken care of that. As long as whatever payload the the insect is carrying isn't so heavy as to prevent it from flying, you're good to go. Okay, and I think we should acknowledge, though we should save it for another podcast, the fact that, uh, I mean, if you're not having ethical problems with insects, you might as well push it a little farther and create some cyborg mammals to do your reconnaissance for you. Why not (laughs) Borg bats, Borg rats? People are working on stuff like this, and this should be a whole other Creepy Times podcast for us. Yeah, yeah. Maybe let's, we'll let's not hog the creepy in this one. Maybe let's we'll, spread it out. Maybe we'll spread it out by putting some happy fuzzy episodes between now and then. <laughs> we'll talk about the future of cuddling. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> with rats that will one day become cyber. I don't think Aww. it'll be the cuddle app, but uh, you know that's a different that's a different show entirely. Uh, I've got a piece of listener mail that I think we should get into. Let's before, hear it, Joe. Before we wrap it up for today, unless uh, y'all have anything else. No, no that is about all I have to say about cyborg insects. Yeah, I'm ready to bug out of this one. Oh, <laughs> okay, oh well. no. But yeah, yeah, no, we get such terrific letters from you guys sometimes. And uh, so we are going to start a listener mail section. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so often it's the request to do a certain kind of episode. Mm-hmm. And we've turned some of those into episodes. This yeah. wasn't that. So I just thought I'd read it. This was from Katie on Facebook. Uh, yeah, she says, I thought you'd be amused to know that while listening to your podcast on catching a time traveler, just as you began giving time travelers incentives to show up and announce themselves, my iPod went from more than 70% charged to flat dead. I seriously had a moment where I believed that a time traveler was going to show up and announce themselves to me right then and there. It turns out this didn't happen. And I continue to be disappointed with people of the future. Yeah, clearly the people of the future uh, could teach Generation X a thing or two about really being slackers. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I thought I knew everything there was to know about being a slacker. You know, Katie, if you want to write us back, what I actually want to know now is which part of the incentives we were talking about when that <laughs> happened. Like, was was it the part about humiliating Jonathan or the part about <laughs> promising them riches and fame? I think the yeah. humiliating Jonathan has got to be the right answer because that's the biggest temptation of anyone I know. Aww. Uh, they seem to take every opportunity. Don't encourage him. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap this up. If any of you guys have some fun uh, comments or you have questions or you have suggestions for future episodes, let us know. Send us an email. Our address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com or drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. At Twitter and Google+, we are fwthinking. Just search fwthinking and Facebook will pop right up. 
and leave your comment there. We, we read all of them. We really look forward to them. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.